Gospel according to Luke chapter 14, starting with verse 25, hear ye the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish, and all who see begin to mock him, saying, This is the man who began to build and is not able to finish. <laughs> or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> So, I serve as pastor of this church, this awesome, awesome church with awesome people in it, but I also work a full-time job as an audiovisual service engineer, so I install and repair uh, broken conference room equipment, so protect projectors, microphones, speakers, that kind of thing. And since I am Johnny Simpson Sr. and Latane Bruce's son, I am always working a side hustle. <laughs> and so in my side hustle, I go around to different people who need a particular sound system or audiovisual system installed, and I'll help them out for my side hustle. The past week or so, I've been going to Port Arthur to visit another Methodist church in Port Arthur because they needed some help with their audiovisual equipment. They had contracted somebody to come out and put an audio-visual system in, so they bought uh, a couple of computers, they bought some flat-screen TVs, uh, four for the sanctuary, another one to face the choir, another one to sit out in the North X, and another one to sit out in the lobby area, so that they, and another one to sit in an overflow room, so that people could watch from all these different areas. And the pastor wanted to be able to send either computer lyrics, uh, lyrics on a computer screen, or television, or uh, a camera to all of these different places. And the person that they had contracted to install it, unfortunately, got halfway through and stopped. 
uh, this was a bit outside of their skill set. And they stopped and subsequently became a little less hard to get in contact, a little harder rather to get in contact with. And so the pastor called and I came out and I got their uh, system up and running and told them what parts they were missing. They purchased it. I came back out and installed it and, and now they have a working functional audiovisual system. But I thought about that in preparation for this message because the person that originally took on the job to do this did not consider the cost. They did not sit down and look at what it was actually going to take to have all of these different flat screens sending signal to them because I don't think they really did that for a living. There's a difference when you do something for a living versus when you do something as a hobby. And the people who do it for a living are able to do it a lot better because they spend that much more time working at it. They've considered the cost. They've paid their price. They've earned their stripes, so to speak. They've paid their dues. And so they're able to do that. And you have to calculate the cost because sometimes if you don't calculate the cost, you end up embarrassing yourself, amen? You end up getting in over your head. You end up being able to get out somewhere and not be able to finish a job. And as the text says, you will be mocked. Now, I didn't laugh at this man myself. Uh, I might later, but I didn't laugh at him then I've not met the man. I just knew that the pastor needed help because somebody did not consider the cost. And that is what we have to do in our daily lives. Consider the cost. It costs to follow Jesus. It costs to do anything. It costs to get education. It costs to leave a roof over your head. It costs to put food on the table. It costs it costs time, it costs money, it costs energy. There is a cost to everything. Being a business student, uh, going to school for business, rather, I understood one of the things I remember from economics class was Tensiful. Tensiful was an abbreviation for there is no such thing as a free lunch. Economics 101, everything you do, even if somebody gave something to you, there is a cost associated with it. And so we have to look at the cost. And, then, and, and it talks about, I thought about it when it said it, it said the, uh, when they lay the foundation and they are not able to complete it. Something else that is overlooked in these different projects, because I deal with different construction projects, we have what they call cost overruns. They say, oh, we can build this house in a month, and they really can't build it in a month. And so you run over in cost and time and then you have change orders somebody's building a house and they said they wanted three bed or three bathrooms but now they want four there's a cost associated with all of that and something i thought interesting when i looked at it uh in, in the text was uh talked about laying the foundation and when they lay the foundation, they aren't able to finish it. Something that's overlooked in construction and in life in general is that the foundation is the most important part. Not only is it the most important part, but it's the most expensive part. You have to dig a very deep hole and put a whole lot of concrete or some other material in it to stabilize it. But it's meant there because it's meant to take the damage away from the building. 
The foundation is meant to, to absorb the hit. And so those things that come on, when you have a, a foundation, a solid foundation, you aren't shaken by those things that happen. When you have a foundation, you're able to understand that you can trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. But when you don't have a good foundation, I mean, we're on the island, right? If the house does not have a good foundation, when the water comes, it's going to wash it away. So we got to explain. But because the foundation is the most important part, it's the most expensive. And so the foundation is the most expensive. And what is our foundation in this life is learning God's word. It's praying. It's spending time in Christian community. It's spending time doing the work and doing the things that Jesus said so that when the hard times come, we have a strong enough foundation. Because when the hard times come, whatever's really in you is what's going to come out. What you really think about somebody will come out when you're mad. What you really feel about a situation, getting mad, enough, it's going to come out. And so we have to understand that in, in, in order to consider the cost, the first thing that's going to be the most expensive is our foundation. Are we going to church? Are we reading our Bible? Are we praying? Are we spending our time in worship? Are we spending our time building relationships with God and not just going an hour or two to church on Sunday and then that'd be enough? Going to church doesn't make you any more of a Christian than standing in a garage makes you a car. Just because you're in the building doesn't mean you're doing the work. And so Jesus was pointing out, he, we're in Luke 14, but all the way uh, from Luke 1 to 14, Jesus has been opening up blinded eyes, healing the sick, raising the dead, declaring liberty, to setting the captives free. He's been doing all of this stuff, and so people have started to follow him. We all love a good show, don't we? We see something that's entertaining, we want to follow it, and so Jesus is telling these people, hold on. Before you follow me, I know you see the nice crowd around and everything is flashy, but there is a cost associated with it. And when they say that they hate their father and mother and brother and sister and children in their own life, it's not a hate in terms of an extreme dislike. It's about priority setting and conflict. Do I want to do what I want to do or do I want to do what God wants me to do? And when the two are in conflict, we are supposed to pick what God would want us to do. And that's what he means when he says hating our lives and hating our brothers and sisters. Not that you literally hate your brothers and sisters, but it's understanding that the priorities have to be set. And so we have to consider the cost. And you consider the cost as well because once you know what you're dealing with, you're better able to handle it. When you keep track of things, it doesn't sneak up on you as much anymore. I was reading an article not too long ago, and it was about whether or not money makes people happy. And so they interviewed someone who was a multimillionaire. They interviewed somebody that was making, give or take, about $50,000 a year. And they also interviewed somebody who was below the poverty line. And they were asking about whether or not money made them happy or not. And, 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 and the, the point of the article was that that money does not bring you happiness. But one thing that I noticed that was different between the multimillionaire, the fifty dollars and $60,000 owner, and the, poverty per the person that lived below the poverty line is how they kept track of the costs. 
they asked the person who lived below the poverty line whether or not they budgeted their money and whether or not they kept track of the cost. And he said, I really don't have time to do that. It's just so much going on that when the bills come, I pay them. And that's just what I have to do because that's the kind of life I live. And he continued to stay below the poverty line. And then the person that was making about uh, between fifty dollars and $60,000 a year, he said when they asked him how, how, how much track, how, how much detail he kept and how, how, how he kept track of his money, rather, what he did, he said, well, I know about the big things, but I don't really pay attention to the small things. And so sometimes things get slipped through the cracks when that happens. But when they asked the multimillionaire how he kept track of his money, he said, I monitor every penny that comes in and out of my bank account. Now, I got to believe that there's something to that, that those who keep track of what they're doing, when you keep better track, not just in money, but when you keep better track of what you're doing on everything, stuff doesn't sneak up on you. Consider the cost. And you want to consider the cost as well because somebody is watching even when you don't know it. Jesus is out here healing the sick and raising the dead, and he's gathered a large crowd, and all these people want to come join, but not necessarily for the right reasons. Some people want to join for popularity reasons. And we've kind of changed our relationship between church and state in this manner, that now when you don't consider the cost, there might be some unintended consequences, amen? You might decide, I don't know, to pray at the Republican National Convention during the benediction and spend all the time praising one candidate and, and disrespecting another candidate and getting out on planes and posting pictures of yourselves on, on, on private jets with Donald Trump and all of these different things. And politics aside, the spotlight is dangerous. The brighter the spotlight, the more intense the heat. And so that's why we see a particular pastor having this come to fruition this week. Been on CNN and all these other places touting Donald Trump. And I'm not talking about Donald Trump right now. I'm just talking about what this pastor had done. And somebody decided to go to his bio. And the bio said that he was a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated that he had obtained in a, a degree from one university and was working on a master's degree from another, and that he was an Army veteran and had served six years in the Army Reserve. Well, somebody asked a few questions. CNN called this, this, uh, this, this, this school that he claimed he got his bachelor's of science degree from, and come to find out, he only attended one semester. They called the other place where he was claiming that he was getting his master's in theology from, and they said he came, but he hasn't been back since in about eight years. They, they called to see about his military service, and they said he was never in the Army Reserves. He was a National Guard, and that's different from the Army. There is nothing wrong with the National Guard, but if you're going to serve the National Guard, serve with pride. Don't use that to try to elevate yourself to another status. So they called the Army and said, no, 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 he was not in active Army or Reserve Army. And then they also called my beloved fraternity. And the funny thing about the fraternity is, is I can go on my phone and hit the website and look up any name. And there's no body by that name on the fraternity roll. No, no variation about that ramp. So here you go. You go going out into the spotlight. Yeah. I want to be on national TV. I'm going to promote this. And lo and behold, didn't consider the cost. 
Somebody might look at all those lies that have been told and been touted and verified them. And there you have everybody laughing at you, myself included, sharing the video of him getting so upset and flustered that he ran out of his own church. The interview was being done at his own church, and he said, I'm no longer comfortable with this. I'm going to leave. And he got in his van and left. I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself when I say that I graduated from Prairie View A&M with a bachelor's degree in business management. You can verify that. You can verify from University of Phoenix that I have an MBA. You can verify at Southern Methodist University that I am five, count them five classes away from graduating. I just wanted to put that there, I'm sorry, just myself. And, and, and lo and behold, I, I'm not going to lie about any fraternal membership. I am Johnny Simpson, the ace club of KS, eight cuts of the diamond of the Houston alumni chapter, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. All of that you can verify. And lo and behold, I tell you what, as long as the bishop and the district superintendent say I'm pastor of St. Paul United Methodist Church, ain't nobody running me out this church. I'm not running. No, this is my house. But when you tell the truth, there is nothing to fear. When you tell these lies, they always come back to you. Yes, a lie can get out the door and around the world before the truth even wakes up in the morning. But eventually, that lie gets caught up with the truth. Consider the cost. And we've gotten to this point, and I have to speak to pastors in general, that we have decided to be more concerned about our personal status and our, the elevation of our personal profile than being about the people. Jesus told us that true religion was to love the neighbor with all our, love God with all our heart and mind and our soul and love our neighbor as ourselves. Those were the greatest commandments. That's what we should be doing instead of trying to negotiate deals to get ourselves in the public spotlight. That's what we should be doing. True religion is, and James says, to take care of the widows and the orphans. Those were those who, who couldn't take care of themselves. That is what the church should be doing. That is what we need to be considering the cost about. If a church closes, will the community miss it? If nobody even knows it's a church, then that church wasn't doing its job. So we need to consider the cost. It costs to be a disciple. It costs to follow Jesus. It costs. It costs to decide to be a pastor. See, we've kind of gotten this all wrong. In the Bible, the politicians or the kings did not go out to seek what the prophets had to say. Why? Because the prophet's job was to speak truth to power. David did not want to hear what Nathan had to say when he came around the corner regarding what was going on with Bathsheba. There are time and time again, you'll see in the Old Testament, there are Bible story after Bible story. No, don't bring the prophet around. I don't really want to, or they would try to pay the prophet to prophesy against their enemies, and they couldn't do it. It's supposed to be able to speak truth to power because your authority does not come from some sort of contract or TV deal or something. It should be your power should come from your relationship with God. And if your power comes from a relationship with God, there will be no need to perpetrate. Or as the young folks said, false flag, false claim, lie, fake, embellish, overstate, misspeak. Any, any other word you want to put on it, consider the cost. Because somebody is always watching. The cost of being a disciple is expensive. 
It costs our time. It costs our energy. It costs sometimes relationships. It costs a lot of effort. It takes effort to want to sit down and read the Bible. Myself included. The Bible used to put me to sleep. If ever I had some trouble trying to sleep, just go ahead and open up Leviticus and right around the second or third chapter, it costs. But you spend that time training and going better, just like anything with exercise. If you ain't exercised in a long time or ever, that first time you come to the gym, it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt afterwards. But there's a cost to be paid. If you want to lose weight, there's a cost. It hurts not to get a double quarter pounder with cheese, large size, with fries and a high C orange drink, no ice. And add an extra McDouble or a hot and spicy chicken, no lettuce on the side to it. It costs. It costs to turn that away. It costs every time I go to turn in my earpiece at the end of the day on my job and they have an array of donuts and chips and brownies out. It costs, but the end result is being able to lose the weight and be healthy. It costs. Anything you have to do, anything you want to do, it costs. And we see the end results of other things. We see wonderful musicians and wonderful people, wonderful doctors and lawyers and people who are successful in life, but we don't understand that before they got there, there's a lot of late nights, a lot of studying, a lot of praying, a lot of all of that. It's expensive. And the better that we do it, the better that we'll treat it. When we have paid a lot more for something, we will treat it a lot better than we would if we got it on a discount. So consider the cost. The foundation and laying the foundation is very expensive. And we consider the cost as well because we never know who's watching. And we consider the cost because being a disciple is not easy, but we have to work at anything we want to get better. But we also need to consider the cost because we consider the cost not to quit, but we consider the cost so that we don't give up. I have to consider the cost and not quit because Jesus did not quit for me. Jesus did not quit when he was born of a virgin. Jesus did not quit when he walked this life and knew no sin. He was tempted. He became that which he was trying to save. So he became a human because he wanted to save the humans. He knew what it was like to be hungry, to get angry, to be thirsty, to be, to be lonely and desperate and not want. He knew what it was like to be tempted. Satan tempted him. He faced all those temptations and knew no sin and passed on. He knew what it was like. And so because he didn't quit, I can't quit. He didn't quit when he got put in this court on trumped up charges. In a kangaroo court automatically declaring him guilty. He didn't quit then. He could have. He could have quit when they got out the cat of nine tails and whipped him all night long with it. He could have quit when they blindfolded him and punched him and said, prophesy, Jesus. Tell us which one of us hit you. He could have quit when they put the crown of thorns on his, on his head. He could have quit but because he didn't quit. I can't quit. He could have quit all the way to Calvary. That cross is heavy. Three to four hundred pounds, they say, and carrying it to Golgotha, a.k.a. the place of the skull, a.k.a. Calvary. Because he didn't quit. I can't quit. 
And when they nailed him to the cross and had the cross up, he didn't quit. He could have called 10,000 angels down. They said, if you are really the son of God, come down off that cross and save your life. But he would not come down from that cross. He decided to die just to save you and I. So I got to consider the cost. And if he didn't quit, I can't quit. And he didn't quit when he went down and took over death, hell, and the grave. He didn't quit then, so I didn't quit then. And no, that's not where the story ends. Because three days later, he got up with all power in his hand. And because he didn't quit, I didn't quit. And that's what he did. And Thomas was able to put his hands in the nail wounds and see it. The people that were walking on the way to Emmaus were able to see it. He had breakfast with Peter on the beach. And then he arose and went up to heaven and told us to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and go out and make disciples. And because he didn't quit, I can't quit. And because he didn't quit, that's not where the story ends either. He's coming back again. And because he's coming back again, we ought to live a life that he has told us to live. We ought to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We ought to love God with all our heart and our soul and our minds. And we can't quit because he didn't quit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.